0: Hey, it's Nikki Wright-Meyer. Before we get into this week's episode, just a warning. You may find it difficult to listen to. We're talking about sensitive subject matter, including violence against children. This is part one of a two-part series on restorative justice.
1: I needed to see the man that changed my life that day. My gut told me I need to go and put it back on him take it off me and put it back on him. That's Nikki. She was sexually
0: assaulted when she was eight years old. Nearly 30 years later, she met face to face with the man who raped her. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why?
2: I'm John McComb, host of The John McComb Show.
0: John, you've recently had some guests on your radio show speaking about their experiences with restorative justice. First of all, what is restorative justice?
2: Well, in the context that we've been talking about it, in particular, it involves the uh, victim of serious crime, murder. Sexual assault, etc., sitting down and essentially confronting their attacker. On the one hand, you would think that that would be the last thing that someone would want to do. Yeah. But on the other hand, uh, in in talking to people who have done it, it is amazingly cathartic for them, it is a, a, a huge leap. I talked to uh, a woman named Nikki. She was uh, raped when she was eight years old. She has, uh, she's now in her mid-40s, and it's only been in the last few years that she's been able to sort out what's been troubling her all these years.
0: Her case was actually a very high-profile Canadian case. What's the history of that story?
2: Uh, Back in the mid-1980s on the West Coast in the Vancouver area, there was a guy they called the paper bag rapist. uh, John Horace Outen is his name.
0: John Horace Outen, the paper bag rapist, once terrorized women in the Lower Mainland. Before his trial, he admitted to committing between 140 and 150 sexual assaults over eight years, dating back to 1977. So many children and grown women, even women that had their children with them. His victims, young girls and women, whom he assaulted while wearing theater makeup or a paper bag. It was terrible what this man had done, just terrible.
2: I remember the the case of working in the news business back in those days, and just how terrifying it was for people to you know to hear these stories that somebody would would attack and rape an eight year old girl. I mean, it was just it was it's as abhorrent now as it was then.
0: After spending a quarter of a century in mountain institution in Agassiz, the paper bag rapist was moved to Alberta. The parole hearings come up every two years. Victims and their supporters vow to be there for every hearing.
2: He was convicted and sent to jail for, I think, 15 or 18 of those cases. He's designated as a dangerous offender, so his sentence is indeterminate. And uh, it doesn't look like he'll he'll be getting out. He was caught... He was tried, and she received a subpoena from the court when she was, by that time, she was 10 or 11 years old. So she had to go and testify with him sitting in the courtroom. Now, imagine you're an 11-year-old girl, you know, confronting a rapist. And she said after that, there was no help. The way it works now, that would, an 11-year-old, that would never happen. There would be a screen or, you know, there would... But back then, there was... There wasn't any of that, so essentially when she w- w- got off the witness stand, that was it she was she was on her own, basically I mean, she had her family to you know and they you know they tried to get on with life, you know and tried to manage and do all of that. but a couple of years later, the you know she she started having eating disorders and was bulimic and went through. she's 45 now so you know uh, 35 plus years of of mental illness of of pure hell because of what happened to her when she was a little kid
0: john how did you come to hear from from nikki you know all these years later after her case she's now pursued restorative justice Mm -hmm. but how did you come to be in touch with her
2: well, as as these things happen, we uh, we had done a story earlier uh, on another case that involved uh, restorative justice, and um, uh, Nikki had heard it and uh, wrote to us and said, uh, "We would I'd, I'd like to tell you my story, but I'm extremely nervous. I'm anxious. She, she suffers from depression and anxiety, yeah, and I'm not. I'm just not sure." how this will go, but I, I would really like to come in and, and give it a try. So I said, yes, by all means, come in and we'll you know, whatever you whatever you need, if you get halfway through the interview and, and it's it's not working, you don't feel good about it, by all means let us know and, and we'll leave it at that. I said afterwards, if you know you have second thoughts about us airing the interview, let us know. Don't worry. We'll you know whatever you want to do. Well, of course, she came in and, and, and sat down and told uh, just an unbelievable story of of the trauma that, that she went through and how she dealt with it uh, as an adult and still does. And as part of dealing with that, she sat down with the man who raped her and maybe dozens and dozens of other women. Uh, he's in prison. He's in jail and sat down with him for two hours and just asked him why coming up later in this episode
1: the work up to it uh, you know you have to kind of try and prepare somewhat but I don't know that you can prepare fully for anything like this
0: you're listening to This Is Why download and subscribe now to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from So John sat down in studio with Nikki so she could share the second half of her story. The story of how she came face to face with the man who assaulted her.
2: Thanks for coming in.
1: Are you using my last name?
2: It is completely up to you. I don't think so. Okay.
1: I don't think I want my last name
2: right now. Okay. What I was going to say is that if you get to a a position where you you need a break, or you've just had enough of this, or you don't want it to go on the air, I mean the the decisions uh, are completely up to you. Okay. Uh, I just want to hear your story. You know where you've where you've been, Mm -hmm. where you're at, Mm -hmm. and obviously the the huge step of the. Restorative justice peace and a huge step of coming in here and talking to me i mean that's you know that 's big. Where should we start? How are you? Uh,
1: my niece came up with a new word
2: nervous sighted
1: nervous <laughs> <laughs> nervous and excited at the same time.
2: Well, you uh, sent us an email a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you told us uh, your story and. You said that you wanted to come on the air and share that story, which is a, which is a huge thing. It's a huge step, and it's, I think it's immensely brave of you to, uh, to come in and do this. So, so thank you for that, first of all.
1: Thank you for the platform to do that. I, I think you're the perfect person to do it with, so I'm thankful that you're here.
2: Thanks. We don't need to go into the, to the details from when you were eight, but I'm really interested in knowing what kind of of help or support or counseling or whatever you received after that.
1: Nothing. So the incident happened when I was eight. Uh, Out and was caught in '85. The trial was in '87. And I, I wasn't. I was 19 years old before I realized. I was having some problems. I reached out to CVAP, Crime Victims Assistance Program, and they sent me a small check and six months of counseling.
2: And that was that?
1: That was that. That was that from them. That was, uh, you know, and from that point on, anything I've done is I've spearheaded. Yeah. I've looked into, I've found, I've researched. Even then, when I found a counselor to go talk to, I didn't realize how bad a shape I was in. I didn't mm-hmm. even know how to describe feelings and emotions. She had to give me a piece of paper to read off of. Like,
2: yeah.
1: I had no idea how to even communicate what was going on or how I was feeling. And at that point, I had been bulimic for uh, since shortly after the trial. And. I was a bigger mess. Little did I know it wasn't until I was 37 before I would really delve into, not even 37, I would say early 40s, when I would delve into this particular subject, the trauma, which turns out to be the core of absolutely everything in my life, looking back.
2: Yeah.
1: And didn't realize till I went into treatment at 37 for bulimia that that was... I thought that was my problem my whole life. I was mentally ill, and I was a bulimic, but I wasn't. I was a trauma survivor. I had complex PTSD, anxiety, depression. And um, the bulimia is just a symptom. It's just a way to get all that out. So the rest of my life, I spent flying by the seat of my pants, just surviving. And you have to do that. You know, you appear to be a... 20 25 year old 30 year old adult you know you've got to do what you've got to do to survive and make it through each day
2: were you seeing um doctors were you taking any meds any anything i
1: yeah i uh again found uh tri-city mental health they focused in on my bulimia and my depression they prescribed me uh antidepressants which I then was on for the next 20 years basically Mm -hmm. uh you know a couple of different types but you know nobody really monitoring it and making sure you know uh, it was maybe two and a half years ago right around the time that I decided to sort of open up this can of worms I decided to come off all of my antidepressants that was my choice and just see Who the hell am I? You know what I mean? You've been on these meds for years, and uh, I guess things started becoming a bit more clear, and I just, I became my own advocate. Doctors around me said, no, that's probably not a good idea. And I said, for me, it's it's a good idea. Let's see where my base level is. Let's see who I am, and then go from there. So have to become your own advocate and it took a while for me to be able to do that and speak out to professionals around me that were trying to tell me what to do or what the best thing was for me
2: okay so you're in uh therapy you're getting some help for the bulimia when did the fact emerge that it wasn't the bulimia it was the attack when you were an eight-year-old girl when did that begin to emerge
1: uh A friend of my mom's, my mom had mentioned to her the story about what happened to me. Uh, She saw an article in the paper, one of Elton's other victims. Uh, I won't say her name, but uh, she's well-known locally. She's Mm -hmm. written some books. And that's what started everything. My mom's friend went out and bought her book for us. And from that moment on, she's truly a human angel because she remembers it. She's my mom's age, so she remembered the Outen case Mm -hmm. in the 80s. and She brought the book to my mom and from that point on, it's just been full, full full-on frantic to try and sort this out in my brain and figure it out, put puzzle pieces together, reach out to people and here we are.
2: Part of this uh, has to do with uh, the restorative justice piece. I think that was one of the reasons you got in touch with us yes. initially, because we had, were doing a story about another person who had been through the restorative justice process. Now, I think that it is one of the bravest things that a person can do to go and confront their attacker, especially an individual who would attack an 8-year-old. Walk us through that. Tell us what that was like.
1: Uh, Again, flying by the seat of my pants. (laughs) I can't even... uh, I think it was something on TV about something justice-related. And I I remember going home and saying to my mom, randomly one night, I I have to go meet him. And as soon as that... Uh, a lot of things in my life are, have not been pre, pre-planned. Uh, and that goes back to the trauma of what he did, took away my trust in myself. I knew, I knew the moment he approached us, he yeah. was bad, he was wrong, but I was a trusting child. And uh, by the time I spoke up, it was too late. And the rest of my life, I've bared that guilt I felt it was my fault and I've not trusted my gut instinct. And so something in my gut all of a sudden, maybe it's the work I had done since treatment, you know, brought me to that point, said to me I have to do this. And there was a, a, almost a big panic right away. I started thinking what if the guy dies and I you know and I don't get this opportunity and it really happened very quickly. You know, there was just all uh flood of emotions especially as a 40 year old victim of a crime that happened a long time ago there's lots of stuff piled on top of that sure and I was angry I was angry at the system I was angry that people didn't help me and now I'm here and you know I'm working through all that but I knew at the core of it I needed to see the man that changed my life that day and I had no plan I was following my gut my gut told me I need to go and put it back on him, take it off me and put it back on him. And that's what we did.
2: Can you verbalize the types of emotions, what was going on in your mind? What was that experience like when you finally came face to face with this man that had done so much damage all throughout your life?
1: The work up to it, uh, you know, you have to kind of try and prepare somewhat, but I don't know that you can prepare fully for anything like this. There were things I decided I wanted to say to him, I wanted to share with him. Uh, So going in, you know, I had somewhat of an agenda, Mm -hmm. but, you know, would I want to jump across the table and put my hands around his neck? You know, would I collapse and not be able to do it? I have major anxiety. Would I have a panic attack? There's just a million things. Coming up in the next episode. He's in a wheelchair, so they wheeled him in to right in front of me. So he was sitting where you are compared to where I am. And I just locked eyes on him. And the very first thing out of my mouth was, do you have something to say to me?
0: This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast, so you can download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review too. We love to hear your feedback and tell your friends about us as well. We're on Twitter at This Is Why, or you can always send us an email, This Is Why at CuriousCast.ca. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next week.